The Baller Shorts podcast this week is sponsored by Tank Tops, because Doug wears them a lot. Welcome to the Baller Shorts Podcast. Ben Todd, here with Doug Kraustein, and Doug is feeling good. Ben, let me stop you right there. Let's talk about the Knicks. Let's talk Let's about talk the Knicks. Let's talk about my New York Knickerbockers. We've been putting this off for way too long, but they are now one of the elite teams in the NBA. Elite? No, I'm kidding. They're playing real well. They are playing well. Look, the Knicks have lately had a pretty easy schedule, minus the game where they got whooped by the Cavs, which was... After uh, the second night of a back-to-back, after they were in Miami and they had traveled, everyone expected the Cavs to whoop up on them. They did. And we didn't have Derrick Rose. But let me just say this. I've been to two of the recent, or three of the recent Nick games, and they look good. They passed the eye test. They look like a good team. They have, in my eyes, two all-stars with Mr. Porzingis and Mr. Carmelo. And Derrick Rose, while he's never going to be MVP D-Rose... He looks really good. He's not all-star caliber, but he looks really good. Let me stop you right there. And later in this podcast, we're going to talk about all-stars. We're going to talk about a couple of trades we'd like to see. We're going to talk about mm, the struggling, to say the least, Timberwolves and uh, Tom Thibodeau. But is Porzingis an all-star based on his current performance per se or based on his current performance plus excitement about his potential? It's a good question. It's hard. <laughs> Look, I think he's an all-star, and I'm biased. So it's hard for me to remove myself from that situation and not say that, yeah, he's, he's, he's garnering all-star consideration a little bit because of what he could be. That being said, he does some things on the court that no one in the NBA can and no one ever has at his height. He's seven foot three, and he's a perimeter player. He does he doesn't really even have a post game. One thing that's been really interesting is watching how Carmelo has responded to Porzingis's emergence. Because there's been a lot of debate. Uh, there especially was last year. Would Carmelo let the kid have a good chunk of the offense? And you still see some games where it comes down to crunch time and Carmelo says, give me the ball and everyone clears out. It's that's, def- that's all games. That's all games that comes in, that go into crunch time. Although, although it's better. And you will see some possessions down the stretch that do go to Porzingis. And one thing that I've loved about him this year compared to last year is how much he attacks the basket and the mid-range. Last year... He would attack the basket on offensive rebounds if he had a wide open hole, but he didn't quite feel comfortable doing it off the dribble. This year, he's unleashed a series of spin moves, more post moves, and ways to get to shots on the mid-range. He has a wonderful bank shot from 10 to 14 feet away that he gets in that pinch post. Yes. And he has five different ways to get there, whether it's the spin, whether it's sort of a modified dream shake. And, and like you said, those different tools make him a truly special player. Yeah. Are the Knicks fans, you're a Knicks fan, are you guys the most excited you've been since... The 2012 team with Jason Kidd? I was going to go back further. Oh. How excited were you in 2012? At what point? At this point in the season? No, no, at, at any point. Oh, I was very excited. I thought during that season that... We had a solid chance to give a cat the Cavs a run for their money if we made the Eastern Conference Finals, which we did. We were the two seed. 
and the Pacers beat us. The Pacers beat us, I want to say, in six games, and they were the better team, um, and we were way too reliant on threes. But I, I'm not as excited with this team. I don't think this is a two-seed team. Right now, we're, like, right now, it's 9.07 on Tuesday. The game versus the Suns is about to start. But as it stands, this second, we're the three seed. I, I don't see that happening. I really see this team as like a five, six seed. That's what I said in the beginning of the year, too. I said I'd be very happy if this team got the six seed. So which of these pieces do you want to see on the team next year, two years from now, three years from now? Is Derek Rose on the team two or three years from now? I think it's fair to say that no Knicks fan wants to see Joe Noah on the team two or three years from now. No, but He's, unless they could stretch him or amnesty him if, if another amnesty comes out of the new CBA, which I don't think it will, we're stuck with him. So push him to his side. He's on the team throughout his contract. I think I'm resigned to it. I think Knicks fans have to be resigned to it. Maybe they buy him out in the last year, but right now he's on the team. In terms of Rose versus Jennings, because they're both free agents, they're both playing better than I think people expected coming into the year. Here's the conundrum with both of them. Rose is going to want a lot of money, obviously. He just saw the cap go up and he saw all of his NBA compadres get a lot of money. He's going to want a lot of money. He's going to want a share of that uptick in revenue that we're seeing. No sane GM could give him five years with his injury history. Yeah, the thing with Rose is he still believes he's 2011 Derrick Rose. I don't know if he does. I think it's hard to get to that point mentally when you've been that great. Mm -hmm. And you hear the way he talks, and occasionally he resigns himself to the fact that things have gone awry in his career and that he's had to adjust. But some of the comments this summer were, were downright stunning, you know, when talking about, you know, super team and how great he can be and how he thinks he's one of the best point guards in the league and mm -hmm. he puts himself still in a class with people like Russell Westbrook. He yeah. does that. Yeah. And I don't know whether that's a belief that he can get back. Oh, so I don't know whether that's one of two types of dis disillusionments. Disillusionment one could be that he could get back to where Westbrook is. Disillusionment two, which is probably worse, is that he currently thinks he's there. Right. I, okay, look, I can't speak for his psyche. I don't – he, at his peak, was the best point guard in the NBA, as evidenced by his MVP, right? For one year. For, yeah, for one year, whatever, but say that was his peak because I don't think he's ever going to get back to that point. Agreed. The issue with him is I don't think he's ever going to be a I – think, I think he could be a top 10 point guard, like the 10th best point guard in the NBA. I think he could get to that point. I haven't even mapped it out. I'm sure right now there's 10 point guards in the NBA you can consider to be better than him, but I, I, he's going to want to get paid. It's like it being a starting NFL quarterback. So what's the plan then? The mediocre starting NFL quarterbacks like Joe Flacco and Eli Manning get paid. So the mediocre starting point guards in the NBA are going to want to get paid too. Do you, see, do you pay him? I Is he the point guard on a Knicks championship team? Can he be and what needs to happen to that team? I don't know. Because I would have trouble seeing it, the, the roadmap for that. I don't know if this construct of the Knicks could win a championship. I, as much as I want one for Melo and I want him to win one, I don't know if we can without some like serious luck in the draft or something. You know, we draft a superstar whenever we have the draft pick, but I do think he's the point guard of the Knicks next year, and I don't think Brandon Jennings is on the team because I think Brandon Jennings takes goes somewhere where he takes the most money he can get to be a starting point guard. And I 
don't think he's good enough to be starting point guard. I think he's one of the better six men in the league, and I think I would love for him to want to be in this role next year on the Knicks, but I do see Derrick Rose coming back. He loves New York. He wants to be back. I don't know if we'll give a discount, but he wants to be back. Let's go back to Porzingis for a second. And I think we were saving this for a little bit later in the conversation, but why not hit it right now? Okay. When people talk about the great young big men in the game, mm-hmm. they talk about Anthony Davis and Carl Anthony Towns, and the list usually stops there. Yep. They almost talk about Porzingis as some sort of like mythical creature that's not exactly a human basketball they player. They call him a unicorn. There you go. Unicorn's real, Doug. But I looked at some stats. Anthony Davis, 23 years old, averaging 31, 11, 3 blocks, 29 PER. Carl Anthony Towns, 21 years old, 22, 11, 1.4 blocks. His numbers are down this year, 22.5 PER. Porzingis is 21, just like Carl Anthony Towns. Numbers down from both of those guys, 28, 2 blocks, and just under 20 PER. Numbers say that Cat and AD are better than Porzingis. Yeah. I think by the eye test this year, Anthony Davis looks a step above both. People still want to give Towns the love that he earned last year. Number one, why isn't Porzingis mentioned in the same breath as those two? And should he be? Right now, the reason why he's not is is because he's not as good as them. I do think, well, that was easy. Yeah, I, I, I mean, look, those are two great players. I don't. I mean, I, I almost want to say that Anthony Davis is tier one of those guys. Carl Anthony Towns is tier one B, and then Porzingis is tier two. Anthony Davis is playing like an MVP candidate on a terrible team, so he won't win MVP. But he's playing All NBA, and I think he will be All NBA if he doesn't get injured or barring a drastic drop off of performance. I, I just Porzingis, he's got to put on weight. But I do think he can get there. But there is the whole mellow standing in his way, potentially, you know, as to be the one guy on that team. I don't see that as a bad thing right now. Porzingis is young. He just needs to put on weight. It's also, interesting. it's also interesting that he's European. And I haven't done the research on this, but I might. Anecdotally, looking at Europeans and, and the guys that have become foreign greats, they needed time to develop. While there are club systems in Europe, South America, abroad that make players play almost semi-professionally, almost professionally, uh, in fact, from the ages of you know, 13, 14, there isn't the strength in basketball culture that allows them to truly develop their skills in the same way that the American AAU high school and college system does. Would yeah. you agree with that? Absolutely. Absolutely. As, as you were saying that, I'm bringing up the stats of of the guy who everyone likes to compare Porzingis to in Dirk Nowitzki. Dirk, you know, he was drafted when he was 19 years old and didn't really play much in his first season. Porzingis was really thrown into the fire on a bad team, and he played a lot. So Dirk, in looking at his stats, year two, he was averaging 17.5 a game, 6.5 rebounds. So below his career averages, but... You know, somewhat comparable to what, what Porzingis is doing now. The next year, 21.8, and then 23.4, 25.1. And these are just scoring stats. All other stats evolved as well. So it did take him, it looks like, to get to his career average, it took him four seasons. 
took Tony Parker a Four while. Four seasons, coincidentally, is how long, you know, you're supposed to be in college. No one ever is these days in the NBA, but yeah, yeah. And to your credit, Tony Parker and other Europeans, I completely agree with what you said. There's a bigger learning curve for them as opposed to an American who goes to high school and then one year of college. Another guy who I think, I'm surprised he's not mentioned in the same breath as them, is Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis? Firstly, one thing I was thinking about Giannis and his nickname, he's the Greek freak. How come we haven't gotten to the nickname of, he's a super Greek, super Greek, he's super Greek now. To answer like, you wouldn't question. think with Super Freak, we'd get a Super Greek, a Rick James reference? I Googled, like, literally for 15 minutes, totally wasted some productivity today, trying to figure out whether anyone had done sort of a Rick James, Giannis Antetokounmpo mashup, Super Greek, Freak type of thing, and it hadn't been done. So to answer your question, you said, why hasn't his nickname evolved into, and then you broke out into song. That's not a nickname. That's a song using his nickname. It also made me feel very uncomfortable. You guys Maybe all should. That answers your question. I wish you could have all know. seen Doug's face during that little musical interlude. I was uncomfortable. Well, I don't even know what was your question. I'm. Still I don't just know. We were, old, we, we were talking about length. The we were Greek talking about Greek. Giannis. And when we talk about the great young players in the game, obviously young big men, Towns, AD makes sense. But they're also the two guys that are mentioned when you talk about the great young players. Yeah. And, and Giannis compares favorably to both of them statistically and in the fact that he's leading his team to wins. The Bucks have kind of a ad hoc roster that's put together a little bit strangely, especially without Chris Middleton. I think purposely, but yeah, I, it is a little strange. I mean, if you told me that Della Vadova and Giannis would be the starting backcourt with Tony Snell ma- playing major minutes, and could that team compete night in and night out? I'd say probably not. I would say that's probably a backup backcourt on a mediocre team. And yet hey, here they are. But Giannis is their point guard. He averages six assists per game. Yeah, Della Vadova's right there too. But Giannis is their ball handler. I, you know, you, Positionally, Della Vadova is there to guard the point guards, even though I think Giannis can. I think it's more sensible for him to be guarding, you know, the better wing player. If you're starting a team from scratch right now. He also plays Milwaukee. If you're starting a team from scratch right now, Anthony Davis, Colin Anthony Towns, Giannis, and Kristaps Porzingis, who are you taking? Everyone's health is intact. Like, we just assume, how, or do we assume they are who they are? They right are now? who they are right now. Then I'd probably go with Towns. And I'm scared about Davis. I mean, he just he's he's had way too many injuries. The way he plays, I don't know if he can maintain it. Towns looks like he's a little better proportioned and looks like he could absorb more contact and, and, and isn't as big of an injury risk. I could be wrong, but Anthony Davis is the better player. Um, but I would go Towns, Anthony Davis. Oh, this hurts me to say. I would go Greek Freak and then Porzingis. I might take... Giannis above all of them. And here's why. Okay. Firstly, I think he's taken the biggest strides year to year during his career. The jumps he's made last year to this year and similarly two years ago to last year have been absolutely astounding. What has Towns done? Regressed. Anthony Davis Great this year. He was equally great two years ago. Lost the season to injury last year. And again... No, 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 no. 
he's on another level this year. I don't agree with you. From Anthony, two years ago? I think Anthony, yeah. Anthony Davis's PER two years ago was a top, I think, six PER of all time. So, so yeah, his his straight-up okay. numbers are there, but from an efficiency <laughs> have an argument there. from an efficiency standpoint... Okay, but look, this is Towns' second year in the league. And the NBA is a league where you make a jump in the second year, and it is terrifying to me that he hasn't. Terrifying? Which brings up another point. Let me ask you a question. Terrifying? Are you easily scared? I'm, I am. I'm I know the answer. Easily, that is easily, easily scared. I used to have nice His PER is almost, almost to the hundredth decimal digit the same as it was last year. So I don't know if that's terrifying. It is also a product of him being in a new system with a new coach. Speaking of said coach, is Tom Thibodeau at risk of being fired? No. But I think you think he is, hence why you asked me the question. So do you want to address it? I don't think he is, but I think he should be. Let me let me tell you some stats. I wrote some things down on a notepad today. Wow. We're like getting more more old school. And I was sitting on the episode. train writing notes and people were confused. Like, why does he have a pen and paper? The Timberwolves are six and eighteen as we speak. Yeah, they're bad. They are currently playing the Bulls. It is now nine twenty. One nine twenty one on Tuesday you night. Want, you need the score. It's oh, oh. They, they they came back. They're only down four. They were down by twenty in the first quarter, and now they're down four. Yeah, we can trust that they will lose. They're the worst second half team in the league. <laughs> you hope so. They're six and eighteen, tied for last in the league. They're as bad as the Philadelphia seventy sixers. Yeah, that's they've lost issue. four straight, eight of nine. They're twenty seventh in defensive net rating. Here we're gonna play a little game show. It's called. Easy questions about the NBA. Here's your first question, Doug. What was Tom Thibodeau known for as a coach with the Bulls and as an assistant with the Celtics? His long, slender stature. And try again. This game show has two answers. (laughs) His defense. His defense. The T-Wolves are 27th in defensive net rating. Yeah. The Bulls. The first year he took over the Bulls were 62-20. and 20. He came onto a team with MVP Derrick Rose, prime Joakim Noah, a bunch of other solid pieces. I don't know what's happened, and it's baffling to me. But this team is 6-18. and 18. I totally think NFL coaches need more than a full year because of how complex things are, how much you have to institute not only a system on the field, but a way of going about things off the field. The NBA is a smaller unit. There are less moving parts. It often comes down to talent. The Timberwolves have the talent. Number one, where has their heart gone? Number two, why do they suck in the second half? And number three, why isn't, if Towns is a top 15 talent, why isn't he able to put them on his back? That's what top players do. Okay, okay, And you know what? Okay, okay, okay. Okay, okay, go. Sorry, that was a, that was a rant. Carl, no, I, I enjoyed it, but I, I just have to stop you there. First of all, Carl Anthony Towns, as we've established, this is his second year in the NBA. He just turned 21 years old. He can try to put the team on his back, but he, until literally 28 days ago, couldn't go out to a bar and get a beer with his teammates. You're putting way too much on a 21-year-old. And I don't think anyone expected him to take this team to a respectable record. I think that – well, no, I take that back. People did expect this team to make a jump. I didn't agree with it, and I'm always right. That being said, 
Tom Thibodeau is a good coach. We've evidenced that by his production with the Chicago Bulls. This team was not a fit for him. Individually, he has guys who can be plus defenders, but I don't think necessarily are yet, like Wiggins. Towns is a good defender, not a great defender yet. Rubio is a plus defender, not playing like one this year. Um, and Chris Dunn can definitely be a plus defender. And Zach Levine is one of the biggest space cadets there ever has been on defense. Right, exactly. He's, he inherited a team of freak athletes who want to run, 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 run. That's not going to bode well. That's not going to bode well for defense. You could pace adjust it all you want. When a team runs and runs and runs and runs and runs, they're not usually good defensively, A, because they're tired on defense, and B, because they're just focused on getting the ball and going and usually forgetting to guard their guy or call out the screens or watch their guy off ball. It just it doesn't happen. I think he needs to slow the team down a little bit. And I think he can without with without hindering their offensive abilities, but it's gonna be a bigger transition than I think people realized. He, this is this was not a great fit for him, but they gave him full control, and I think that was a huge step in the right direction because he needs to get some players who um, fit his mold a little more. So I'm trying to think about whether I buy this argument of yours of fit. I definitely believe that fit matters offensively. That some coaches who have a rigid system, like a triangle offense that refuse to compromise, need players who work within that system. I don't know if defensively it applies the same way. Because theoretically, you know, a a defensive system puts people in positions... To help each other to move to recognize team things. Team defense. And I guess yeah, I guess that does take time. But why are they worse in team defense this Dude, year than they were last year? Take the best basketball coach in the world, Mike Shashevsky. <laughs> take the best NBA players in the world, I don't know. Let's just call them Olympians. Let's call them the Olympic national team. Oh, because they are, because this has actually happened. Put them on a court versus significantly inferior competition. And they have tremendous lapses defensively that causes everyone to wonder, oh man, are they not going to win the gold medal? And they did. And they did. They came together and they won the gold medal because they're amazing. But they were not great defensively. That is a good point. Thank you. But my question is... Oh, I was going to mic drop and leave. And I totally, I totally get that it takes time to congeal. But this is the same team that he had last year. Not that Tibbs had, but that the T-Wolves had. But it could be different systems. Literally the same five stars. It could be, you know, more help defense. It could be, you know, maybe they switch pick and rolls and they didn't switch pick and rolls. I haven't watched them enough to know whether they've really changed anything fundamentally between this year and last year. But I think think it takes more time. I think Thibodeau's a good coach. I think he's... This offseason, going to get a few role players, you'll see, who are more his speed. And I think as you knock your mic down, because... I knocked my mic over, I got excited. I got excited. About my argument, which is destroying yours. Well, here's a question that I have. I'm asking you a lot of questions. Is there a record after this season at which Tom Thibodeau's services are no longer retained? This season? So... Say like he, a fireable record for this like year. If they go 15 and 67, is he the coach next year? Yes. They won't. I think they'll improve. But I yes. know. I'm, I'm just saying, like, 
theoretically, if they go 11 and 71, is he the coach next year? They win five more games the rest of the season. I, I'm just is okay. If they win five more games the rest of the season, yeah, they might want to cut their losses. Something would have had to have gone horribly wrong. They've won six out of twenty four. You think they're gonna win five of the next? What is it like fifty five? <laughs> that would be really bad. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, they would have quit on him. Here's somewhere else my head went during the last couple minutes of conversation. Six and eighteen. We mentioned earlier, same record as the Sixers. Who's led the Sixers to the, that record? Joel, the process, Embiid, and we just went through a conversation. He has most games. Yeah, because well, every game he doesn't play, they lose. That's true. That's true. How did we forget about him in the conversation about best young bigs? And that's interesting because I think when people are talking best young players, best young bigs, they leave him out. But then there's this whole other category, just like Chris Porzingis has this whole other category of not being human. There's this whole other category of... We really don't know anything about Joel Embiid, but we're really excited about him. But he's he's not mentioned in the same breath either. He he takes like a different category well, almost. There was the whole not playing for his first two seasons after being drafted. That's a good point. And like we said, he doesn't play more than 28 minutes any given night. When he plays, he doesn't play back-to-back. So he just has to do it more consistently. He's great, though. So if we added Embiid into that list we had earlier yeah. of young players... He's, he's last on that He's list. last. How are you not scared of injury? No, I, I, I agree that yeah. he's last. But I'm trying to conceive of any way that he's not. He, I, I don't, maybe not over, nah, you know, that's it's a team of physical freaks, really. How many games? He's got tremendous athletic ability. If he can maintain that burst when he jumps and the speed at which he runs and the and velocity the 40%, 40%. which tweets. <laughs> Tweeting velocity, he definitely leads the league. How many games would this team win this year? Anthony Davis, Carl Anthony Towns, Joel Embiid, Giannis, and Porzingis. Starting five, average bench. Wait, Giannis, Porzingis, Towns, Embiid, and who? And Davis, Anthony Davis. Uh, Is that a playoff team with an average bench? Uh, That's the tallest team ever. (laughs) They're all 6'11 and taller. (laughs) They're the longest team. They would have to play zone, right? Who guards the shoot? I think so. Who guards shooting guards? They have to play a 3-2 to not be in the lane, right? They would play a 3-2 defense. I guess. Like, yeah, 1-3-1, and the guy in the bottom just has to, like, maybe maybe that's... I don't know. Well, that could be Davis. He could fly. Yeah. No. Okay, if they play a 1-3-1, you definitely have Giannis pressuring the ball at the top. Yeah, yeah, of course. He's most accustomed to guarding point guards. And you have Embiid in the middle. And you have because he's probably the least mobile right now. Right, yeah, yeah. And then you put Towns and Porzingis on the wings, and Davis flying baseline to baseline. Yeah. Hey, that's that's a playoff team in the East. No, it's not. You hate the East. You're such a hater of the East, dude. How do you guard that team? Especially because that team shoots three pointers better than most teams with average guards. Mm. That team is three. 40% 40% three-point shooters, and Porzingis, and Giannis is the worst of them all. Yeah. I don't know. I don't I, see it. I, I, I don't see it. It would be a very interesting It's because you're an accountant. What the hell does that have to do with anything? Yeah, I'm a creative. I'm thinking outside the box. You, you're, you have your Excel spreadsheets. You call yourself creative, and that was what you, your comeback was? You're an accountant. Anyways. Um, <laughs> my point there, it's kind of like the current Bucks construct, though. 
As I mentioned on, I believe, our first podcast, again, you probably weren't listening to me. No, I was listening Bucks, very closely that time. The Bucks trotted out a lineup one week uh, or one preseason game of John Henson, Thon Maker, Giannis, Jabari, and I think Malcolm Brogdon, who's, yeah. not, who's like the only one who's not like 6'8 and long. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's kind of what the Bucks are going for right now. I, I like it. I like it. I do think they need a guy like Chris Middleton, which unfortunately they don't have this year. But I like the direction they're going. We're about to get to a little bit of an early all-star prognostication place. It's about the time where you start thinking, hey, is this guy going to make it this year? But first, I want to talk a couple potential trades because there are some teams out there that are thinking or, or should be thinking at least about moving some guys. Here's one I floated around the office recently. It was a floater? To mixed reviews. It was a floater. Like a vintage Tony Parker floater. I got a potential trade from you, or for you. Tell me who says no to this trade. The Sixers package two first-round picks, one this year, one couple years. Their own first-round pick? I don't know whose pick they own, but like this... they also they also own the Lakers if it's not top three. Okay. So either theirs or the Lakers. They'll both. So a very high pick. Yes. Yes. Okay. Top ten. Yeah. Potentially top five. Right. And uh, another first-round pick two years down the line. And either Noel or Jaleel Okafor okay. to Washington for John Wall. Caught you by surprise the Wizards, there, didn't I? The Wizards don't say no. Because I don't – unless they really think they're re-signing Wall, which they're not, which we've talked about before. I don't think he's re-signing there. I think he's gone. Um, but I don't know. That's a steep price. This draft is going to be loaded. This draft, you could potentially, with that top five pick, draft a guy like John Wall. It's a gamble, obviously, but to say that you're trading, you know, a top five pick, another probable lottery pick, and one guy who's who's been a top three pick before, like that's a lot, man. So for John Wall, who's a great player, who's an all star point guard. John Wall this year averaging 24 points, 9.5 assists. He is on a woeful Wizards team, but none of that, I would say, is his fault. Right. How many great point guards are coming out in the draft? There is Markel Fultz. Everyone loves him from Washington. There's a ton. There's a ton. As my brother, the college basketball expert of the podcast, is pointing his finger up in the air. There's Markel Fultz. There's De'Aaron Fox. There is Scott, help me out. Dennis Smith. Dennis Smith from NC State, right? Who else are we forgetting? Um, Dennis Lonzo Ball, your boy. My boy. Dennis Smith seems like he's like a Subway sandwich artist. Why? That's that kind of name. Dennis Smith? Yeah. No. You know what he is? He's a starting point guard in the NBA. See, so, okay. So, from that standpoint... I'm not, look, those guys might not be as good as John Wall, who was the first pick of the draft, right? And, you know, a five-star recruit, probably the number one player in his class. Surefire led, prospect. Led a great Kentucky team with Boog. But that's a ton to give up for John Wall, who's not the final piece for them being a contender. You know what I mean? That's a lot. I think that's too much. I think Philly had this process, and I don't think the process involved them getting John Wall Well, I, so I think before it's, he resides. I think at some point... You would have to have a guarantee of re-signing from him. But at some point, you stock so many picks and young guys 
that you need to flip them. Boston. Exactly. Here's the thing. If Embiid is the great player, it looks like he might become. Yeah, cross your fingers. We all hope so. If Ben Simmons becomes an all-star caliber player. You always forget about him. I even forgot about him. They obviously need a swingman who can play and who can score. But they really have a dearth of guard talent. And I think someone who's still young enough that they're entering their prime. I think Wall is at that point where he has five, six years of prime left. But understands the league a little bit better. Maybe can be a leader on that team. No one, no one in the organization, I'm not counting Colangelo. But from Brett Brown to any of the players, they don't have anyone who can be a leader, I think, and a voice to those young guys. Yeah. Follow me. I will get you to somewhere. Now, now Wall's never really done it. Wall's never done it. He had that one playoffs that if he didn't get injured, they were going to be in the conference finals. Two years ago. That was just two short years yeah, ago. Yeah, I don't know if I call him a leader type, though. I don't see him as a leader type. Also, you brought up Ben Simmons. He whether he's not going to be your point guard, but he's going to be the one who the ball goes through on offense, doing the creating. Do you think he could work with John Wall? I think. Keep it, in mind, they're both sub. At, they're both below average shooters from the outside. They are yes. I think Wall is creeping toward the average. Yeah, they would be nightmares on the fast break. For sure, but and if you surround them with two shooters and Embiid, who is a shooter, well, let's table this for a minute. If you had to bet on who would be the first player traded this season, the first player of impact, who would it be? Rudy Gay. Rudy Gay. Yeah. Where's he going? I still think Oklahoma City. I don't know what the packaging is going to Sacramento to get him, but he wants out. He's literally said it, and he's actually playing very well, ironically enough. I don't think Oklahoma City has... The pieces to get him. Who yeah, do they give up? You know, you know what Sacramento does not want. What another big guy? Yeah, I was gonna say because that's what they have. They have Cantor under a, a decent contract. Cantor and Sabonis are untradeable to the Kings, who this past year spent two picks on Papa Giannis and Scalabissier, and they yes. already have Kufis and Cousins. All those. Well, guys. Kufis is a free agent who's going to be gone. And Willie Cauley Stein. Yeah, and they're already talking about trading him. I know. I'm with you. I just the Kings don't run their team well. I do think Rudy. Gage, <laughs> That's the understatement of the yeah, century. They, they just don't. I mean, as evidenced by Papa, what's his name? Papianis. Yeah, I mean, you saw the reaction. He's Giannis's dad. <laughs> he's funny. the he's the super super Greek. Yeah. Oh God, here we go. Um, I don't know. Who do you think? I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be Goran Dragic. Yeah. Miami. He always wants to be traded. He always wants to be traded. Well, because Zoran has been treated poorly. He's a curmudgeon like you. (laughs) So the Heat were sort of in limbo going into this year. They thought maybe this team could congeal and maybe some of the young guys could develop fast enough where they could be a playoff team. They're not. They're bad. They're a bad team. Yes, they are. And their future does not exist in Goran Dragic. And I think even though this league is... Overloaded with guards, there is a spot for Dragic to go. Where that is, I haven't fully figured out yet. Could could the Kings turn into buyers and try to make a run? Could the Kings make a play for Dragic and trade some of their young talent? As we've mentioned before, 
they are a very poorly run team. Could they be think they're buyers? Of course. Could they actually make a trade as if they're buyers? Sure. Should they? Absolutely not. They need to start thinking post-boogie because he's not coming back whenever his contract runs out. Okay, here's another crazy proposal. Chicago Bulls. No way. You know who's not working out on the Chicago Bulls? This is getting crazy. Rajon Rondo is not working out. Of course he's not. You know who actually played pretty well together last year in Miami? Go on. Goran Dragic and Dwayne Wade. Yeah. Interesting. But why would the Heat want Rajon Rondo? Oh, you're just saying no, no. just trade for Dragic and Bench Rondo. Yes. And there are some nice young players <laughs> on the Bulls, some draft, draft picks. Fire. You know what? You cut Rondo. You owe him money for this season and this season only. That's why you signed that contract. Rondo was a gamble that is 100% not paying off. You cut him loose and you don't lose anything. Why do you have to see the season out with him? I think If they are, you make that trade, you have to cut him. 100%. But I think the Bulls, who do have aspirations to at least compete in the playoffs and make some noise, you don't sign Dwayne Wade to that contract if you don't try to win now. They have to make a move to win now. They made a smart gamble on Rondo. It hasn't worked out. They need, I mean, unless they're going to go big in the backcourt, they need a point guard. They need someone who can shoot. Dragic is an above-average shooter. Do they need shooter. a point guard? And you just said unless they go big in the backcourt. Would it be really big? I mean, Dwayne Wade would have to guard point guards, which, which could get tough for him. Jimmy Butler would have to guard point guards because Dwayne Wade can't guard point guards. Right. But both of them offensively, either of them are more than capable, I think, of, of, of being the facilitator in the offense. I agree. But I, I think Dragic would look pretty nice on that squad. Okay, Doug, we have to move on. You sent me an email today saying, let's talk about some all-star teams. It's yeah. obviously a little bit early. But you have some guys who you think uh, you think are, are feeling yeah. feeling like they should be I'm on these really all-star teams. I'm really good about a few of these guys, yeah. Uh, there's this one guy. LeBron James, I've heard of him. Damn it, you took it away from me. <laughs> Stole the joke. Um, so what do you want to do? How do you want to do this? Well, I think it's interesting at this juncture in the season, a little bit of more than a quarter of the way in, to discuss who the all-star locks are yeah. and where the, where the controversy is going to lie, where the fights are going to be. Right. So who do you have as locks in the East? And, and let's preface this by saying we know that fan voting dictates starters – but we're not going to take that into account. So a guy like Carmelo is almost guaranteed to be the starting forward in the East, you know, along with LeBron, who's who's deserving of it. Um, but let's just say, let's just say this is all based on merit, right? Okay. So in the East, I think there are very few locks. Let me give you the guys who I think are locks: LeBron, Kyrie, DeRozan, Jimmy Butler, Giannis. I do think Carmelo's a lock, and then. There's so many other point guards and guards that it's hard to call the other guys locks. So I'm going to stop there. I think Isaiah Thomas has to be a lock. Fine. Averaging 27 points a game. Fine. And the team is great with him and struggles without him. I think Kyle Lowry has to be a lock. Toronto is far and away the second best team in the East. And Lowry's doing what he does again. And as always, one of those two, Lowry and DeRozan, don't get enough I'm respect. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. And I think Kemba Walker. Has to be a lock. Okay, I'm glad you said that. I, those are the guys I have on the team. I have Isaiah Lowry and Kemba 
backing up the guards of Kyrie and, and Greek Freak in the starting lineup. So we're in agreement there the locks. I think it's the front court where there is some uncertainty. You think Paul George might not be worthy of an all-star spot this Correct. year. Correct, I don't. Defend that, defend that stance. I think he will make it. All right. When I but say you think he'll make it on past achievements rather than current. Why do you think this iteration of Paul George isn't good enough? I think that's crazy talk. The team's not very good. They're just not. They're not very good. And And... Look, statistically, he's just as good as he was last year. I just don't think he's commanding that team the way he should be. And I'm just disappointed with the Pacers overall, so maybe I'm taking my frustration out on him. I have Porzingis in. Call me biased. Fine. I'm very biased, I'll admit it. But I have, so besides the guys I called locks, I have Porzingis, Kemba, Lowry, Kevin Love, who as you told me earlier, should start, and I completely agree with you. Oh, I, I didn't even realize that you didn't mention Kevin Love earlier because he's lot. having the best season of any big man in the East. Right. Isaiah, Isaiah Thomas, the one who's currently playing, not the retired one. And then I have Joel Embiid, and I put a little smiley face after because it made me smile that I put Joel Embiid. I think it'd be fun. It'd be like a nice, like, hey, Philly, congrats. Here's your all-star. When he plays, he's he's more than agreed. Agreed. Extrapolate his stats out. It's, it's a tough sell. Agreed. We know it's not going to happen. I didn't hear you say the names Paul Millsap or Andre Drummond because I didn't say those names. Oh, it's uh, sometimes I don't listen to you, so I thought maybe <laughs> that could have been the reason. I think Andre Drummond is a really strong case. He does absolutely. But say you switched Hassan Whiteside and Andre Drummond's situations in the league. They switched their teams. Like switched, like traded them for each yeah, other. Yeah, straight up, okay. straight up. So Whiteside averages 18.8, 14.4, a bunch of blocks. Drummond, 14.9, 13.6, and fewer blocks. Right. Drummond's team is better. Whiteside's team is poor. Who's the all-star? Or is neither. Switch them? Or is no, no. Now it was neither. And and is making the case for switching them, is that a useful Yeah. I think Whiteside is better. And and I think there's one easy reason. If you put Whiteside on a winning team, he's gonna get more minutes down the stretch because he can actually make free throws. And I think that hurts Drummond's scoring average a little bit. Not only is he missing free throws, but I think he misses a lot of opportunities because people are more willing to hack him hard when he's going up for a dunk or going up for, with a post move. So statistically, I think that's why you're seeing Whiteside averaging more. And I think if you switch them, I don't think Whiteside stats would diminish. And I don't know if Drummond's stats would increase on a, on a worse team. I don't, I don't know if he's ever going to be a guy who consistently averages 20 points a game. I personally think Whiteside would be more deserving than Drummond. Um, but both, I think, are deserving. I mean, I think they're the two best true centers in the NBA. In the East, sorry. The East. I think one of them has to make it. Well, for size, yeah. My team's tiny. And it'll be interesting who they choose. Everyone seems to like Andre Drummond as a human being better than they like Hassan Whiteside. He's relatable. He's got braces. <sighs> Oh, well, like we've I all had, had braces. I, oh, you didn't have braces, did you? I did. I had braces. Wait, I braced twice for some reason. I just never thought I'd hear on this podcast 
He's relatable. He has braces. Dude, it, I don't know. Like, I resonate with that. Everything else about him physically, I don't resonate with. He's an enormous human being. Um, you know, we're, I'm probably almost as strong as him, but not quite. John Wall, is he getting left out? We just named all of these great guards. You're, you're willing to admit I'm almost as strong as Andre Drummond? I didn't think it was worthy of more conversation. Got Let's it. put it that way. John Wall, they're just not a good team. Yeah, of course he deserves it, but Isaiah, Lowry, Kemba, and Kyrie are four point guards, if you want to call Isaiah a point guard, which I think you can. And, and Giannis, Giannis, whatever, they're all better and on better teams. They're not necessarily better, but they are on better teams. And you know John Wall, if he doesn't make the All-Star game, is going to blame Washington for that and Publicly. Yeah, definitely going to leave. Yeah, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. All right, let's move to the West. Let's move to the West. The West is super crowded. Go. I'll give you who I have as the locks. Locks, go. Stop me if you don't like anyone. Okay. Not like personally don't like them. Like don't like their picks. (laughs) Steph, Durant, CP3, Kawhi, James Harden, Russ Westbrook, Anthony Davis, Mark Gasol, Damian Lillard, and Boogie. Yeah, I have all of them. Those are my locks. To me, Carl Anthony Towns is not a lock. I have him. If Minnesota has the worst record in the West, I don't think you can put him on an all-star team. You hate Carl Anthony Towns. You know what? We were starting to talk about this before the podcast. We agreed to table the conversation for here. Mm-hmm. The basketball. I was going to say the NBA, but basketball in general is the sport where the best player can most influence the game. Would you agree on that compared to all the other major sports? Oh, for sure, for sure. Maybe besides being a quarterback in the NFL, but of course. Quarterback doesn't play both sides. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. If you're the best player on a team and you truly are an elite player, you yourself should be able to get your team to within a sniff of 500. Especially if there's some other talent around you. This goes back to putting the team on his shoulders type thing. Right. And you know what? If he doesn't have it, maybe he's not there yet in his uh, psychological development, his emotional development. But I'm not going to make an excuse for that. He's a great kid. Sure. He's a great kid. He's a huge drive. So he he can be a great kid and he can let this all-star snub be fuel for later. Fine. Look, do you do you think he deserves to be on the All Star team yes. with his current numbers? If his team is the worst in the league, if yes. they have the worst record in the league, yes, because he's good and he, he's that good. And and I know this kind of goes against the argument I made against John Wall, but if you look at it based on the position groups, I mean, it, Wall is just as good as those guys that I snubbed him for. I think town. I don't think I'd be snubbing Towns. I'm interested to see who you put on the team above him, but I don't think there's a guy who deserves it necessarily over Towns. Um, that's you know that's of the same position of him, and I do have one person who I left off. But who who do you have? You have two more spots, right? Because you named ten guys. So you I have named two more ten spots. guys. Who are the, who are the next two? I don't have them. I'm on the fence. Okay. You want to hear who I have? I want to hear who you have. I have Towns. Okay. And I have Blake. That means I left off Draymond. I left off Clay, which I think is controversial to only have two of those guys. I don't think Clay deserves it. And I think Jamon deserves it above Clay. Yeah, and I don't. I 
I mean, maybe you know, maybe you're going to make the argument that he deserves it above Towns, but I don't think so. I think he does. Okay. I yeah. think he does. He's the linchpin of that defense. You could always use someone kicking the the Eastern Conference guys, right? That's 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 what I always say when I'm building an All Star team. And you know what, Towns, his block numbers are okay. Defensively, he's not there. Defensively, he's not there. No, he's just and I think there's a, 21. Right, but I, when you make an argument for an all-star team, it's not about potential. It's not about age. It's about current production. I think there's a case to be made for DeAndre Jordan. Yes, I agree with you. I think there's even a case, this is a harder sell, but there's even a case to be made for Rudy Gobert. Okay, no. Okay, probably Well, not. okay, you know what, though? The Jazz are... a. a Interesting team that don't have one guy on here, although I think their best player, although he hasn't played in a ton of games, is Gordon Hayward. Their best player is Gordon Hayward. Yeah. I don't see... But the stats, I mean the defensive stats, and obviously defense doesn't move the needle when it comes to all-star voting. The Jazz are a team. They're a legit team, you know? It's kind of like they're not as good as this team, but it's like that Pistons team that won the championship. They had four all-stars because it was almost as if they couldn't just pick one, you know? Yeah. The Jazz are not going to get four Kind of like those Hawks teams a couple years ago, even. They had four All-Stars, too. Kyle, did Kyle Korver make the <laughs> yeah, All-Star Yeah, I think he team? made it as like an injury replacement. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I left Draymond off. I left Clay off. I have Blake on there because the Clippers have been good. I think they deserve two. And I, you know, I don't think we're pushing Blake. He's, his numbers are, are great, as always. And, and, I, and I have your boy Towns. I like Towns. I don't want people out there to think, Carl Anthony Towns, if you're listening to this podcast, I like you. I think you're going to be a great player. You always assume but that you the have guy to do better. you're mean to is listening. I like that. Well, I also assume that they're hiding in, in my bedroom, or in this case, your bedroom, waiting to pop out and disagree with me. Yeah. I'm not, uh, I'm not sure about it, but we'll see. we'll see. All right, dog. I think we've reached the end of the road. Do you have any closing thoughts? Yeah. New York Knicks. They're amazing. But not as amazing as Russell Westbrook, who still, as of 9.59 p.m. on December 13th, is averaging triple-double. And that is fantastic. I think it's amazing for basketball. It's, it's phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal. The, the Wolves, by the way. The Wolves. Have taken a one-point lead over the Bulls. Because they heard you talk. Tibbs heard you. He heard me. He heard you. No, Carly Anthony Towns also heard me, probably. Yeah, maybe. See, see what he's doing tonight. How's he doing? What's he doing? Oof. What? 5 of 17 from the field, 0 of 6 from deep, 11 points. Maybe he's not all mentally as strong as I thought he was. Maybe he's, uh, maybe he got in his head. It's a Zach Levine game. Zach Levine game. Those are interesting. I never want to hear that. Let's go next. The Hawks gave up 131 points to the Magic. I think there should also be certain rules that if you hit certain benchmarks throughout the season, you're automatically disqualified from playoff contention. Like if you give up 131 points to the Magic, no matter what your record is, you shouldn't be allowed in the playoffs. That's, that's like the worst rule proposal I've ever heard. And also like kind of derogatory against the Magic. I don't know how that would fly in the owner's meeting. If you give up 26 points and 14 assists to Alfred Payton, you should not be allowed in the playoffs. But see, you know, that just makes Alfred Payton think he's not a valued member of the NBA if there's a rule in the in in there about that. I'm just I'm just firing shots on all cylinders. Thank you for listening. Again, this podcast was brought to you today by Tank Tops, all of them, any brand. 
wear them even in winter.